Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Andrea Vall, and we're going to explore ways to split test your Facebook ads so that you can refine your ad campaigns, reduce your spending, ensure that your ads are performing the way that you want them to. By the way, if you want to email me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com comes directly to my inbox. Let's transition to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What did you find, Eric? I found a cool little hack for Chrome. It's a Chrome extension for all the Trello users out there. It's called Slim Lists for Trello. Okay, so um, first of all, for those that aren't familiar with Trello, it is a um, project management software that's web-based and it's free. And the Chrome browser works on all platforms, right? Windows yes. and and um, and Mac. So, what does this extension do that Trello does not already do? So, what this will do is it will take your existing Trello boards and it will reduce the width. So, uh, if you're familiar with Trello, it's a bunch of different cards ranked and sorted in lists and kind of in vertical stacks. Exactly, and so. It can, be, it can get a bit cumbersome to scroll and find your way through all of these cards and lists. So what this will do is it will still give you all the information, or most of it at least, and it will reduce it by up to about 50%, slimming it down. Uh, so it basically just allows you to fit more on your screen is what I really yes. hear you saying. Yeah, yeah. And what's the name of this extension? It's called Slim Lists for Trello. Slim lists for Trello. And for those that are um, not on Trello, let me strongly advocate for Trello. It is an amazing tool. If you are managing tasks that are repetitive in nature, if, for example, our, our live show that we do every Friday, we extensively use Trello to organize all the activities. Uh, if you have uh, many different people that you work with collaboratively, Trello is just a lifesaver. It's, and what's awesome about it is it has an app that has real-time communication. It does email communications. I mean, I don't know about you, Eric, but I, I feel like it's brought a lot of uh, organization to a lot of the different teams inside the company. Yeah, I totally agree. It's one of those things where uh, you, you have all the information and all the right people with access to that information in a nice, neat, organized fashion. Absolutely. So uh, tell people where they can find this extension. 
Yeah, so the, the easiest way to do this is to go to the Chrome web store, which is chrome.google.com slash web store, and that'll take you to the place where you can just search for uh, slim lists for Trello. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's move over to today's interview with Andrea Vall. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Andrea Vall. If you don't know who Andrea is, she's a Facebook marketing expert. She's co-authored the book, Facebook Marketing All-in-One for Dummies. She's the co-founder of the Social Media Manager School, and she regularly writes for Social Media Examiner. Andrea, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So today, Andrea and I are going to explore Facebook split testing and how to best optimize your Facebook ads by running experiments. So uh, before we dig in, let's talk about a little bit of your backstory. How did you become someone who was interested in Facebook? Uh, I'd love to hear that story because I don't even know if I know it. Yeah, yeah. I started, um, I actually was using social media to... Uh, promote my uh, side business. I was staying at home with my kids at the time and I was doing an in-home wine tasting business. I mean, really? talk about your, yeah, talk about your dream job right there, right? You get to drink on the job. Too funny. <laughs> kind of like blogging. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that might explain was, some of your articles. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> It might. I couldn't resist. I know. Um, but yeah, I was I was learning how to use social media and learning how to use Facebook and Twitter when it was early uh, in, in the launch of it. And what I found is that I didn't see a lot of articles that I wanted to see, things that were maybe a little more entertaining, uh, things that really explained things step by step. I felt like some uh, blogs were just not really getting into the real process of everything. What year was this? This was in, uh, this was about nine years ago, Wow, 10 years ago, I think almost when so I was talking, doing my wine business. we're talking business. about 06 then. Yeah. 06. Yeah, basically. And, uh, so I, I, I decided that I was going to use one of my characters that I wanted to see something out there like this. And so I decided to use one of my improv comedy characters to help make an entertaining, fun, and useful blog. So I chose Grandma Mary, and I, I then dubbed her 
Grandma Mary's social media edutainer. So, and how old is Grandma Mary? Dare I ask? In her sixties? She's she's ageless. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's uh, yeah. She she gets younger every year. I don't know. Um, She so she gets a little cranky about about social media. I decided I wanted her to be kind of the voice of people who were frustrated with having to learn all this stuff and and really kind of explain it in a in an in endearing, kind of engaging, but fun way, and really get down into what, how to do Facebook, how to do set up your page and things like that. So as I started my blog, I've always been a frustrated uh, actress at heart. Um, I wanted to be Carol Burnett when I was younger. So this was a chance for me to, to blend my two loves, uh, you know, wearing wigs and, and, entrepreneurship. So <laughs> so I started my blog and that was that was then about 9 years ago the wine business um actually the parent company folded so I was without without my side gig so to speak. So I kind of made this blog my side gig and I I kind of always sort of intended it to be more, you know, a a side thing that I did but it grew and grew to the point where I was then uh getting more traffic. I had a lot of Twitter followers, a lot of Facebook fans, and that kind of led to the book deal. So yeah. I was then offered to to be a co-author of the Facebook Marketing All-in-One for Dummies series with Phyllis Kerr and Amy Porterfield. So that was kind of a fun little journey. I'd never expected to be an author when I started my blog. That's so cool. All right. Well, today... Tell everyone what you're doing today real quickly. So that, cause I think it's a good transition. You're doing yeah. multiple things, but yeah, you know, um, what are you doing today in relationship to what we're about to talk about? Yeah. So today I am still blogging about Facebook. I do Facebook consulting. I run ad campaigns for clients. I also uh, work with products I have. I have a product on uh, teaching people how to run Facebook ads. I also run Social Media Manager School along with Phyllis Care. So a v- real variety of things. And and now this is my full-time business and I get to speak and train on Facebook all over the world. So cool. All right. Well, let's transition into split testing because um, it's a big topic and it's, it's a complicated topic. So we're going to try our best today to describe all that we can in the next half an hour or so, uh, so that folks can walk away from today's interview with a bunch of things that they can experiment with and try. So when it comes to split testing, what are the different things that we should test or can test? Let's just kind of go down that list. Yeah. And first I want to kind of say a word about split testing, because I think not everyone knows exactly what that means. And really what that means is just varying one thing and and changing one thing at a time while you run your test so that you know exactly which variable contributed to your better results. So it's it's really keeping things constant, change one thing about the ad, uh, and then you'll you'll be able to see easily with the Facebook ads reporting area, which ad outperformed the others. And then you can stop the ones that aren't performing and continue running the ones that are and hopefully get your click price and your cost down lower and lower. Yeah. And just to give my take on what it means, the word split means to cut something in half, right? So Mm -hmm. let's say you have an audience of a thousand people that you're advertising to 500 of them would see one ad and 500 of them would see another ad and you would run the duration of the ad 
the ads to that audience and then you would compare the results, right? I mean, that's, that's, but the hope is that what you'll learn through doing it properly is things that you can later apply to the larger audience, right? Right, right. And you continue to do that over and over again and test what works and what doesn't so that you end up saving money, um, making sure that you've got, you know, um, the right kinds of ads serving to the right kinds of audiences and all that stuff. So let's, let's get into when it comes to Facebook, Andrea, what are the things that you can split test? Yeah, the first thing is you can split test all kinds of keywords that you're directing your ad to. So you can do um, the basically the demographics, the keywords that you are choosing. When you say the keywords, explain what that means. Yeah, so the keywords go into the interests area. And what that means is if someone puts in their profile that they're interested in jogging and you use the keyword in the interest area as jogging, your ad will get shown to that person. But it also could mean that they've liked pages related to jogging. So I might like a certain type of jogging equipment or some jogging shoes, and they would assume that they would then put that into the jogging category. We don't know exactly how Facebook splits those interests out or what they lump in there, but they'll give you a approximate number of people that they will reach um, when you see uh, exact when you put in those keywords, and you can also do all kinds of demographics. So you can say, I want to reach people who are 35 to 55, who live in a certain city, who like certain things, and maybe who own a home. So there's all kinds of demographics uh, targeting you can put in your ads that will reach your perfect client. Okay, so when you're split testing keywords, you might split test. Would you split test joggers versus runners, something that similar, or would you, or would you split test joggers versus walkers? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't split test something that is so similar. What I would probably do is more general keywords like jogging and running versus specific pages like Runner's World I or see. you know uh, Nike shoes or something like that. So. I would I I usually kind of go with more general keywords and then also look at you can target the fans of a page by putting typing in the page name into the interest area when you get to that um, demographics section and you can then see if there that page page's fans are able to be targeted. If there's a match in there, then you can target the fans of that page with your ad so that your ad is shown to them. Um, what else can you test? You can also test things like images, like you can test different images. You can test different, of course, different text in your ad, different call to action buttons. You can uh, test video versus versus images. So there's lots and lots of things that you can test. You can also test different bidding methods or, or you know, how, how your um, different styles of ads, if you're going to um, use a... a a website conversion ad versus a lead generation ad. And I would imagine you could even split custom audience, split test um, different kinds of custom audiences, right? Right. So for example, someone who visits social media marketing world um, and, and, and just maybe hits up the, the homepage, but not the register page, right? right. And, then, and then maybe those that hit the register page and see whether or not the same ad targeted. I don't know. I'm just thinking out yeah. loud here, you know? Yeah, for sure. And But you have to have control over that page. So like, for example, I could only test audiences where I had uh, put the pixel on my own website. So you can't say, right. go and 
people who have visited other websites that you don't have control over, you can't. You know, now, some people are probably listening right now and saying to themselves, okay, now an audience is um, a test, but is it really a split test, right? Because normally, at least maybe, and maybe this is semantics, but in my mind, I'm usually thinking you take a group and you split it and you run right. You run something to them, like a different call to action or a different text. Does it make sense to actually test audiences or split test audiences? Because like you said, Nike fans versus runner's world, they're right. totally different audiences, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and so in that case, I probably, like you said, it's, I think it's a little bit more of semantics. That's really not really splitting the audience. It's really just testing different audiences. So it definitely does make sense to test those different audiences because oftentimes I think I know my my the target that will respond best. But when I test two different targets, I find... I might be, I might be wrong, and one our one audience opts in or does you know or or visits the website at a uh, for a cheaper cost per click. Right. So it is important to make sure that you're, you know, not necessarily just split splitting the audience, but testing some different things along there. So let's let's assume for the sake of the rest of this conversation, we're talking about an audience that we are splitting different kinds of experiments to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just the visitors to our website or maybe it's just the fans of our page, you know? Right. Some sort of an audience that we have access to. Because I think that's probably the starting point where most of us can do split testing, don't you think? Because like with the call to action and the text and the images and the type of ad and the video, I mean, there's just gazillions of things we can test, right. isn't there? For sure, yeah. So where should we start with our tests? Yeah, so I definitely definitely start with the demographic for sure because you what I like to do is make sure that I have the the most responsive demographic that I'm using and the way I do that is I will take a demographic put in um the put in the key keywords I might want to use or if you're like you're really truly splitting the audience where you're saying people who have who like this and that and then this and another thing, you know, um, and, and kind of splitting it that way, you want to make sure that you're really hitting that most responsive audience. So the way I do that is keep the ad looking exactly the same. You use the same image, you use the same text, you use the same call to action button if you've got that same setup with the ad itself, and you're really just splitting out that audience and seeing which audience responds best to your ad your ad and gives you the cheapest clicks. Now, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think, and full disclosure, I don't actually do any of our ads. I've got people that work for us that do that. But isn't it true that you can target demographics within your existing fan base with your ads? Yeah, absolutely. So some people might be thinking like, you know, and like, what would, how would that work exactly? Well, it, it gets a little challenging because you have to have, uh, you know, you have to have enough of a fan base to be able to split, split it into segments or enough of your website visitors. Because sometimes people want to say, I want to target my website visitors who also like these certain things or who have an income of this certain level. And then we're going to target which which uh, website visitors respond better to this particular ad. You can do that, but you have to make sure that you're not um, getting too far into, you know, in too small of an audience. You want to have, I usually like to have an audience that's, you know, at least 20,000 people. So 
you know, you can target smaller, but um, a lot of times Facebook won't let you place the ad if you're, especially if you're less than a thousand. Sometimes it even more. It depends on how you're bidding sometimes. Okay. So let's say that we have an email list that we're uploading to Facebook, or we have a remarketing list from people that have visited our website, or we've got a number of fans on our mm-hmm. page and they're, they're at least 20,000. Right. Um, or maybe it's a hundred thousand and, and we've, we've, we've tested them like just those in the United States or whatever. Right. And we right. found one that seems to perform a little better than others. Right. Um, um, what about, and, and this is a question that came directly from um, from Kim Reynolds on our team. Um, what's the impact of budgeting, the budgeting type? And maybe right. you can even explain what that means to me. Yeah. So there's there's lots of different, you know, settings that you have in these ads as well. So your first thing is you're setting up the objective of the campaign where you're saying, I want to optimize for website clicks or I want to try and get more conversions or things like that. Then you're at the ad set level, you're choosing things like the audience, which is your targeting, where you're putting the ad, if it's on, you know, the sidebar or in the newsfeed or on Instagram, things like that. And the and then also at the ad set level is the budgeting and schedule. And the the uh, budgeting type lifetime versus daily, that can impact the way your ad performs because daily uh, a daily setting means that you're saying, I want to spend, say, $10 a day, and I want you to try and get through that $10 every single day, no matter what. Versus lifetime, where you're saying, I want to spend $150 over the next 15 days, which would essentially work out to $10 a day, but you're letting Facebook expand and contract that and optimize that $150 over the course of that, those 15 days. So, you know, usually a lot of times lifetime uh, budgeting is a little bit better and can perform a little bit better. Now, sometimes it's challenging because you don't always know, you know, you don't always have an end, a set end time that you're going to have. You just kind of aren't sure you want to test for a little while. Um, But often lifetime can be a better way to go because you're letting Facebook kind of choose and there's a little bit of play there for for Facebook if if they're not getting the the right um, audience that day that matches your your uh, your your bids and things like that so well and it sounds like Facebook would be incentivized to try to spend your money every day and maybe not provide you the best quality where if they have a duration of time which they can kind of divvy it up and they know right. they know the patterns of people you know, right. it sure yeah. enough may be that Friday is the day where they would spend most of that money because maybe that's the day people are most interested in buying things. Who knows, right? right? Yeah, and it's it's so strange because when Facebook ads, when I was first starting to work with Facebook ads years ago, I was kind of nervous when it said, let Facebook optimize your stuff. I'm like, oh, right, that sounds like a, you know, that sounds like a scam. But it actually does work really well. I often am choosing, you know, the um, kind of, the settings so that Facebook is is optimizing my bidding. I'm not setting my uh, CPC specifically. I'm letting Facebook kind of optimize it. And a lot of times that works out the best when I'm doing my testing. Now, what about objectives? You you mentioned those earlier, right? Should we be split testing the different kinds of objectives? And what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that that can uh, be something that you want to test. Just recently, I was I was really making sure that I was um, kind of 
getting my best deal with looking at lead generation because there's it's confusing when people get in there they're like well what is a what is lead generation how does that differ from conversions and it's really about the vehicle the ad vehicle that um, is being offered up there so you can like lead generation ads kind of all happen within Facebook versus a website conversion ad which happens on your website and there's benefits to each I split test those two uh, objectives to see which one was giving me cheaper results. And initially, the the lead generation ad was giving me lower costs per conversion. Um, but in the longer run, I did see that the website conversion ad outperformed it. So it is good to test sometimes different vehicles, different types of ads with those different objectives. But most often, I find that if people are trying to get a true like conversion on their website where it's either getting someone to opt into a lead magnet or getting someone to purchase something, often that conversion ad is the best, uh, best type of ad to run. So moral of the story is test both. Is that right? And see which one serves yeah. your objectives better and then focus on that one? Or, yeah. And, okay. and I'm a huge proponent of everyone doing their... I mean, it's hard to say... You know, I hate to always say... Um, you know, never listen to anyone's advice because I'm one of those people giving advice. <laughs> but I, I do think that for so many different businesses, certain businesses are really unique. So there can't be, there's, there's not often not a blanket statement that this type of ad is always working for every single type of business. Sometimes it depends on how savvy their target demographic is, uh, you know, if it's like a, a lead generation ad, there might, their older population may not want to, you know, give people their, in, their information the way it's provided there. They might feel more comfortable on a website. Um, there can be other factors that go in, uh, go into choosing your objective. So I always say, do your own testing, but, you know, kind of start out with a, the general wisdom of what a lot of the top people are saying in terms of which way to go with your ads. When it comes to um, split testing, at what level do we split test? Um, do we do it at the ad set level or at the ad? I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what they call the ad within the ad The set. ad level. Okay. Yeah. So there's the campaign level, which is the top level, which is your objective. The ad set level kind of contains the budgeting and the timing and, you know, the schedule of everything and also the, tar- the targeting. And then the ad level is really kind of the ad creative. So that's the image if you're using video, if you're, you know, varying the text. So a lot of times you are, you are split testing at the different levels to test what's working for you. One thing to keep in mind for sure is that the ad set level controls the budget and the timing of the ad and when it's being run. So if you have two ads be underneath the ad set and you're wanting to test both, that budget may not get delivered equally between them. Hmm. So you want to make sure that you are in control of how much spend each is getting so you, you know, you're really kind of running it through the cycle you want to run it through. Well, won't and they be competing against each other then, the two ads? Yeah, and that's true too. You are, you are then also competing against each other because you're using this, you're targeting the same audience. Right, so they might actually see both ads. 
Right. So it's not really a split test. It sounds like when you're splitting it exactly. at the ad level, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. when you're splitting at the ad set level. So you're so that's the challenge, right? If you want to do a true split test, you probably need to do it at the ad level, right? Well, at the ad set level. Well, yeah, oh. I mean, I guess it depends on how you're you're not really splitting the audience at that point because you're using the same audience and you're just testing two different ad images. You well, know, how sophisticated is Facebook? I mean, can you say Facebook, I want to split test these two ads or or is it just kind of going to randomly serve up both of those ads? Yeah, if- it's you know what I found um and I don't maybe they've gotten more sophisticated. I've just stopped doing it because I I wanted more control. I like I like the power that comes <laughs> but it's really the what I found is that Facebook is supposed to optimize to show the best performing ad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found in a couple of tests I did, it wasn't one ad was performing worse than the other, but getting more of the budget. Can you can you choose to evenly distribute those ads? Do you know if no. that, yeah, you can't? No. Okay, yeah, because no. like for example, we use DoubleClick for uh, publishers on our site, and we have the the choice to let Google right. optimize it or to evenly split it. And we right. always evenly split it because sometimes Google will falsely make a decision right. during the duration of the campaign, and then all of a sudden, you know, because they'll make some early conclusion, and yeah. then they just will stop showing the other one. You know, exactly. So, um, so it sounds like what you're saying is split at the ad set level. Is that at correct? The ad set level is the, I think the best way. Does to, that create a lot more work to have to do that or not necessarily? Not necessarily. You can, you can easily do, um, copy ads completely over and just then, you know, switch a few things. So it's very easy to kind of recreate ads underneath and, com- you know, complete ad and ad sets in copy them into a new, uh, uh, new ad set so that you just vary what you need to and then let it run. Let's say we found a good audience. We found a good demographic, however you want to say it, right? And we know it's really it's really ideal for us. And now we want to start tweaking some of the ads, right? Yeah. Um, and this is where we get down to some of the some of, I guess, what, what do we get down to? Once we found the audience, we know this audience really works and we want to run variances of ads. What right. are we testing at this point? Yeah, so at this point, you're, you're really just testing the images. One of the biggest factors in, in ads are the images. So demographics, I found, are, are really big as well. You want to make sure that you've honed in on your right demographics. And the next biggest factor you want to test is the images. And you can also, that that also kind of correlates to video versus ads. So, you know, keep the objective the same, but you can use the creative as video um, and, and, test those against each other or use, um, sometimes I've seen people using kind of slideshows to kind of make their images a little bit more active in the newsfeed. And that's a great idea as well. So uh, demographics and, and targeting first, and then next biggest thing you want to vary is the, the image part of the creative. And also make sure that you are not tweaking the current ad. You are copying that into a brand new ad because what's going to happen is you're not going to have a record of the, the, the changes that you've made. Mm. So you want to make sure that to keep those uh, statistics pure so that you're really varying that and keeping that um, clear as to what's happened to that ad. So copy it into a brand new ad to do any changes and then let it run that way. So 
I've got a bazillion questions related to this. First, <laughs> I know, isn't it just like so? Yeah, I mean, because we're getting so into much. the inter- we're getting into the interesting part here. So, so um, I'm running. Let's say I'm running an ad to an audience that I know. I want to run an ad to an audience. How many variations should I be running at a time? Two, three, four. I mean, what's your thoughts on the number of vi- different visual images, hypothetically, that I should be running to this audience during whatever my my, my time period is? Yeah, so a lot of that really depends on how large the audience is and how what your budget is. Because if your audience is like, you know, a million people, you can run more variations to them, you know, at, at smaller budgets so that um, you know, you're not you're not burning out a small group with fifteen different ads and competing against yourself. So you know, there's there's a lot of there's lots of different schools of thought on this. You don't want to create a hundred different ads if you don't have a very big ads budget, because so, you're so gonna, let's talk about us. Let's yeah. do a real life situation. Take yeah. one of your clients. Don't name them. How many? Let's say how many visuals are you typically testing at once before you hone in and say this is the winner? Yeah, usually somewhere between five to ten. Okay, and how do we know that it's a winner? You really, you're just really comparing it against the others in that group. So you know. I think that people get really hung up on the fact they hear other people saying, oh, I get $1 per conversion or I get clicks at 10 cents per website click. And that can just vary so much between region, between targeting, between um, all different factors. So you're always testing against yourself and trying to come up with you know, the best pop- possible ad for that demographic and, and really kind of watching your, your reporting so you're um, comparing the right things. So the things you always want to make sure you're comparing to declare a winner are things like the cost per website click if you're sending them to your website or the cost per conversion. You want to make sure that's showing up in your ad report so you really know that what the true conversion price is, and you're optimizing against that. You also want to look at the click-through rate because that's going to give you an indication of how receptive the audience is. If you're showing your ad to a bunch of people and no one's clicking through, that's kind of saying that your ad may be a dud, but it also can be that your audience is just not quite as receptive. Sometimes I'm running ads for dentists or ads for you know financial institutions, which is not as exciting and interesting as maybe business building type topics. Well, and if you get a lot of click-throughs but not a lot of conversions, that could be a sign that there's something wrong with the sales page, right? Exactly. Or, exactly. The, or whatever that page is, you know, yeah. the, the, the opt-in page or whatever. Yeah, right? the landing page, whatever. So um, how much weight do you put on when you're split testing the cost per conversion versus the cost per click? Yeah, I I typically don't really care as much of what the cost per click is as long as I'm um, getting the right cost per the cost per conversion that's going to work. Um, You know, if you've got. I mean, again, you're going to have to do your own testing to figure out what your range is. And with my clients, what I do is we set an upper boundary and say, you know, this is the maximum we're willing to spend to make make sure that we're still profitable with the thing that we are advertising. So you you should know, like, you know, kind of what your marketing budget should be and what percentage of that can go towards towards marketing and make sure making sure you're hitting that target. So let's talk about how Facebook calculates a conversion versus how others calculate conversions because we use we used our merchant system has an ad tracking thing built mm-hmm. into it. 
and um, and Facebook has their own conversion tracking, right. and there's always discrepancies. Oh, it's so frustrating. And it seems right. like Facebook counts. I'm going to use a little Google terminology. Okay, Google has has uh, I think they call conversions and view through conversions. Okay, so in the Google vernacular, a view through conversion is someone that saw the ad didn't necessarily act on the ad, but did ultimately purchase. And they call that a, uh, a view-through conversion, meaning that Google, because it displayed the ad, it influenced the purchase. Mm-hmm. I think Facebook does something like this too, because we have a hard time sometimes reconciling how Facebook comes up with the number of conversions right. that they claim. Is do, right. you, do you have any insight into this? Yeah, so that's a ca- that's a challenge because what happens is um, you've got the Facebook pixel on your website that will help tell Facebook when there's been a conversion, right. and they're they're often not matching your other systems. Like you'll get a different number from Google, you'll get a different number from your own um, your your own merchant shopping system. cart yeah. merchant system, right? And then a different number from Facebook. I do tend to feel like Facebook overreports a little bit from. Mm-hmm from everything. Um, so you have to realize that what Facebook is doing is just sometimes seeing that someone's visited the site. So if they go back to the site twice, it might count as two conversions. That 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 Or maybe they're page. counting anybody who saw the ad but didn't click on it but still bought as a conversion, you know? Yeah. Which yeah, is exactly. which is problematic from my right. perspective, right? Because right, that exactly. just influenced the purchase. It didn't right. actually lead to the purchase, right? Right. And you can also set windows. So you can set a conversion window where you say, I only want to count, I only want you to count conversions that happened within a day after seeing the ad. Oh, interesting. Can you set that even tighter? Can you say that happened within an hour after clicking on the ad? No, a day is the lowest, yeah. A day is the lowest, yeah. Yeah, that's intriguing. And I wonder how smart they are because a lot of people start on mobile and might end up buying on desktop. But Facebook knows that because Facebook knows what we, well, I think Facebook knows what we do on our smartphones and should know what we do on our desktop if we're logged in. Do you have any insight as to whether they're able to track cross-device because that's an interesting um, question, isn't it? Yeah, that is an interesting question. I, I think they probably would be, but I don't know that answer for sure. I, I think I would guess that they would still be tracking right. whether you've if you've been served the ad and then you, you know, purchase later. And and some of the ways to get around that is really just making sure you're kind of using backup you know, backup reporting, like using things like UTM links or using your right. um, your track, whatever tracking you have in your shopping cart to kind of make sure that you're kind of cross-checking each each number. So let's say that we've got a 90-day window to promote whatever our product is. Um, at what point do we start testing or how long do we test before we start saying we we've we okay like there's a testing period and then there's a hey we're gonna not test anymore right, we're just gonna right. go we're gonna take these results and go just across the board with them. these results yeah. talk a little bit about about that yeah i think you definitely want to allow at least a week you know a week or two for testing and it depends a little bit on how well you've already tested if you're starting from scratch you don't know your keywords you don't know what audience is responding well, you definitely want to have a couple weeks to do that kind of testing because you're going to be testing things like the demographics and targeting. You're going to be testing the images. You might play around with testing the type of ad um, that works really well. So there's a lot of potential tests to run. Um, and sometimes you are going to run, want to run those uh, non-concurrently so that they're just you know not affecting each other. Um, so 
allowing for at least a couple weeks of testing. If you've already honed in on the perfect keywords, your perfect demographic, you can probably shorten that test cycle a little bit um, to a week where you're testing maybe five different images, some different different text in the ad, maybe some different type of um, video type of ad. Well, I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can learn more about you, Andrea. But before you do that, just kind of give us your kind of, if, if you take one thing away from what I said today about split testing, here's what it is. Yeah, I think really to make sure that you are doing testing and really keeping your variables controlled so that you really know exactly what's working for you. So that's the biggest thing that I think people tend to try and vary too many different things at once and they're not sure exactly what contributed to that positive change. Because as you iterate and as you continue your testing, you're going to get better and better and get better and better results. So make sure that you're kind of running these controlled experiments around your targeting around your images and and watching the right results there. So it's it's really exciting when you can watch your costs go down and down and you know it's because you put in a little bit of time to do that testing. Excellent. Why don't you tell folks where they can discover more about you and what you've got going on? Yep. They can learn more about me at andreaval.com. It's A-N-D-R-E-A-V-A-H-L.com. And Grandma Mary's over there too. And I do a lot of blogging about Facebook ads, and uh, would love to connect with people over there. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Hey, uh, we are now joined by Grandma Mary. Grandma, what do you think about what Andrea just talked about? You know, she's she's pretty smart, but I think we all know who the brains is behind this operation here. <laughs> and I've done my testing, and I'm telling you, you get in there, you do a little bit of a split testing, test those demographics, people hone in on those keywords, and come visit me over on Andrea's site. I'm over there, too, having a little fun. Well, if Grandma Mary can do it, you can do it, too. Thank you so much, Grandma Mary. Exactly right, Michael. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you found value in today's interview. If there was anything we mentioned in the show and you just didn't catch it, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 213. That stands for episode 213. If you're new to the podcast, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss a future episode. And if you're not new to the podcast, have you considered giving us a rating? And a review, socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. And uh, I would love your review. That helps us get more noticed, if you will, or at least I believe it does. And I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about the podcast from whatever part of the world you're in. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.